0: Welcome to the Smarter Apple Spraying podcast series. I'm your host, Mark Gleason, a plant pathologist at Iowa State University. I'm also the leader of a USDA-funded research and outreach project that's looking for more efficient and lower-cost ways To protect apples against diseases and insect pests. The project includes scientists, students, and growers in Iowa and Ohio. Our guest today on the CPPM Apple Sprayer uh, Project is Dr. Melanie Lewis-Ivey, an Associate Professor in the Department of Plant Pathology at Ohio State University uh, in Worcester, Ohio. Uh, Welcome, Melanie.
1: Thank you. I'm happy to be here.
0: The subject today is um, something that um, many Ohio apple growers may be familiar with, but many others may not be. And it's a, um, it goes by an acronym, uh, NEWA. So before we get into this though, uh, maybe it'd be helpful to listeners to have you describe uh, uh, how you got to where you are at Ohio State and just a little background about you.
1: Sure. So I actually first joined Ohio State in 1999 as a research associate with Dr. Sally Miller in the vegetable pathology lab. And while I was working for her, I decided I wanted to get my PhD. So I worked on my PhD part-time. And then um, once I graduated, I made a move to Louisiana State University for a few years. But I'm a true northerner at heart, so uh, I picked up and moved back to OSU, where I'm now the uh, extension fruit pathologist. And my program here focuses on developing sustainable disease management practices for fruit crops, but more recently I've also taken on nut crops and also do um, some work with hop. But my main crop uh, are the fruit crops.
0: Thank you. And uh, if I recall correctly, you're actually a, a native of our of our um, brother country to the north, Canada, and uh, a, a Toronto Raptors fan. Is that not right?
1: <laughs> That's correct. I am from um, London, Ontario, and I, it was kind of serendipity that I got the job here in Ohio. I worked for Dr. Diane Couples. Uh, I did my master's with her, and she's very well known in the World of plant pathology and bacteriology, and she recommended that I apply for the job here in Ohio, and that's how I got started.
0: Super! I didn't know that that factoid. Thank you. <laughs> um, okay, so the, this NIWA subject is really um, kind of about uh, pesticide spraying advice. How how does the how does this acronym NIWA figure into? Um, uh, the world of pesticide spraying in apples.
1: Well, so NUA is a short for the Network for Environmental, Environment and Weather Applications. And it basically um, is a is a web-based platform that um, allows weather data to be sent to it. And then that weather data gets converted. Um, into models, which I'll describe hopefully in a a little bit. Um, But these models then allow you to make decisions about when and how to spray. And because apples are a perennial crop, managing diseases, you know, ends up being a year round endeavor. Uh, You basically need to, you know, be taking care of the tree in terms of diseases from the time the tree breaks bud all the way until they reach dormancy. And consumers have really high expectations for fruit quality. And so to meet these expectations, we need to make sure that we're protecting the trees year round from infections so that you get that beautiful apple that has no blemishes on it. And so in order to do that, realistically, you need to use fungicides. It's very difficult to grow apples organically and have them blemish free. And so in order to, to reach that expectation of the consumer, we need to apply multiple applications of fungicides. And even even inorganic growers need to apply uh, approved pesticides if they wanna make sure that they have a, a valuable crop at the end of the season. And so NUA provides us with a platform to help Growers make these decisions about when uh, they should spray their chemicals. Thanks,
0: and and so where, where did Niwa come from? Is it uh, something that uh, just sprung spontaneously from someone's forehead, or is it where did it come from?
1: <laughs> well, my guess is probably at the beginning it did. <laughs> you know, someone had this this brilliant idea, but but it's um, hosted by Cornell. University and was initiated by the New York State IPM Integrated Pest Management Program. And um, over the time, also the Northeast Regional Climate Center has joined on. And so it, it's a, a public, yeah, it's a public service. I I kind of hesitate with public because you, you do have to pay for it, but it's not for profit. Um, you're basically paying for a service. And it provides you know, fruit growers with these weather-based tools for them to implement uh, precision, decision, precision d- disease management practices. I see. And it's a partnership, Mark, with land-grant universities and other growers' associations. Not every state is a member. Um, every state can be a member if they want, but not every state is a member. And we we pay a fee. And sometimes it's the grower that pays the fee. Sometimes it's uh, the state, a state entity that pays the fee. And and this gives producers, consultants, researchers, extension specialists, basically anybody who who wants to access it, if if they have, if they're within the member state or they have a membership um, that they can then use to make decisions about how to how to spray and treat for diseases. It also includes um, insect decision-making models and also production models um, such as thinning or best timing to irrigate or frost protection models
0: yeah, thank you. So, so where did where did all these uh, models and decision guides come from, melanie? are are they just uh, something that was laying around and somebody slapped them into some software? or what how did they how did they even come about?
1: Well, so the models are are or decision making tools. We call them disease warning systems. Sometimes they're referred to as um, prediction, disease prediction models uh, or disease forecasting models. And they they came from a lot of research um, that was done to determine uh, when and how a pathogen will sporulate. For instance, if we're talking about disease models, how the pathogen will sporulate, when it will sporulate, what environmental conditions will sporulate. And using this information, they then you know could determine when the best time is to put on a fungicide or a bactericide application. For instance, uh, it's it's um, that some some diseases have it, some crops have it, but it really it's from a lot of research. And basically, NUA is a is um platform that takes in all of these weather data through the internet from weather stations. And then that weather data uh, gets uh, interpreted or not interpreted, translated through the models that are already online, and then you get an output from that. And using that output, you can determine um, the best time to spray.
0: Uh, and then, so um, a lot of a lot of graduate students and a lot of uh, professors and extension people have put a lot of years into developing these, right? And and most of these came from our area, right? I mean, they came from what uh, the 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 Great Lakes states and then in New England and um, the this sort of the Midwest, and so they're they're not just something that somebody developed in Israel or
1: right. you know
0: Louisiana. They're, yeah. they're relevant to our area.
1: They definitely are relative to the Midwest and Northeastern. There are models available for other regions. Um, they aren't connected to NUA. It, that doesn't mean at some point they couldn't be, but really NUA focuses on the Midwest and Northeastern regions. It us- utilizes models that are are based on our weather data or our weather patterns. Um, you know, so using the model to predict predict disease in in um, Louisiana or in Florida, for instance, or uh, in Oregon, just wouldn't work. You wouldn't get accurate uh, predictions or warnings. And so we really want to focus on, you know, using the systems within NUA to make sure that we're making the best management practices for our region here in the middle west and
0: northeast. So you could kind of say they're customized to our region, our pests and our diseases and our climate and everything else. Yeah, I want to get get back to something you mentioned earlier, uh, Melanie, and that is these kind of like a site license uh, that you could, uh, working with uh, a state could buy that. And is that the case in Ohio where the state or or the Ohio state has bought a license and then any grower can use it uh, for no fee?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I, when I took on this position in 2016, I really wanted to focus on sustainable ways to manage diseases and using these forecasting models is a good way, but I also wanted to make it accessible and in order to make it accessible and to get adoption, you know, I felt like we needed to cover the cost of it in Ohio. And so I I collaborated with doctor Hei He-Peng Zhu, who's in um, the ARS and is located here on the Worcester campus. And we came up with a plan where, you know, his program covered the first two years of the membership fees. And then from there on my program and and department um, is covering the costs. And I, I really am passionate about, you know, trying to improve, sustainability in crop production and so for me it's well worth the cost it it's not that expensive it's i think around 1750 a year and that's unlimited you know growers and it's not just specific for apple growers there are grape uh, models and there are also vegetable uh, models on there for vegetable growers so they could also access it if they if they wanted to um, but because I'm doing fruit crops, I've really promoted it in the fruit crop region. And since 2016, we went from having no growers uh, connected to NUA to now having over 41 stations connected, most of which are apple growers. We have some grape growers and we also have a chestnut grower utilizing. So I, it's been a, a success and I'm really really pleased with it. And I think it's well worth the cost for us to um, cover that for our growers.
0: Yeah, that's an impressive track record for growth over five years. And apparently, uh, some of the states in New England have have pretty widely adopted this too, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. They, you know, they have much higher numbers. They also have many more growers (laughs) as well. I mean, I would say that the majority of our large commercial growers are using this new uh, system to assist them with decision-making. And they use the, um, the apple models, uh, not just for diseases, but they also use the fruit thinning model. And um, wow. more recently they've added a, a irrigation model, which I think is kind of timely given mm-hmm. our periods of drought that we've been having. And,
0: Mm-hmm. So it's yeah and
1: useful to them as well
0: yeah yeah here in iowa we um we're a little bit more limited than uh, you are currently in ohio in that we don't have as many weather stations reporting data back to Niwa. but i think it's probably we're probably where ohio was five years ago or more and maybe they'll you know in the future that will grow uh, um i don't know what the story is in in indiana or illinois uh, i suspect that they're Newas uh, was increasing its footprint there as well.
1: yeah, I think a big part of it is education. I spent a lot of time my first year going around and speaking with growers and you know introducing them to this concept of you know using weather data and, and these warning systems to make better decisions about spraying. Um, you know, some of the younger growers are more on board with it because they like the technology side, you know, it, I think using the technology is fine. So (laughs) they they enjoy, you know, using it.
0: You're listening to the Smarter Apple Spraying podcast series. I'm your host, Mark Gleason. Our three-year project is searching for more profitable and less wasteful ways to control diseases and pests on apples. Now back to our interview. Without going too far into the weeds, could you just maybe say a little bit about um, what a disease warning system is? And I know they're diverse and stuff, but kind of the basic idea behind how they work?
1: Yeah, so as I mentioned, you know, sometimes you might hear them called disease forecast or disease prediction systems. And they, they use models that are developed using weather data, information about the biology of the pathogen, information about the crops, such as crop phenology, you know, that becomes important for instance, if you look at the fire blight model and they use that information based on years of research to predict when an infection is most likely to occur and cause disease. And so using this information, it then provides recommendations on. On when a preventative action should be made uh, or, or provided. So preventative action in this case, you know, talking about fungicides or, or bactericides, but you know, if you're talking about an insect, it might be, you know, when you need to put on a, an insecticide. And so um what, what they end up allowing you for is um more accurately timed. And in most cases, more accurately timed and fewer applications of a fungicide or bactericide. I think to me, the important part is you know more accurately timed. So you may need to put on a couple more than you would normally do, but you're doing a better job of preventing the disease and preventing an outbreak, uh, which is really, really important obviously to the grower to prevent an outbreak of, of one of these diseases.
0: And in the case of um, some of the diseases in the dry weather patterns that we've had, um, sometimes you're going to save quite a few sprays too. Right.
1: Right. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's all about, (laughs) you know, predicting when an infection is going to occur and then getting a spray on there to prevent it from occurring. And, you know, if you're using your weather data, you, you have the chance of, you know, reducing the number of applications, but also, you know, you better have a better idea of when to put on the next application. So it will, you know, normally if you were using a calendar spray program, you would say, okay, every seven to 10 days, but using the warning system, it might be that you don't need to do that at 10 days. You could wait 11 or 12 or, or sometimes 14, you know, if the weather patterns and, crop you know are aren't at that most susceptible stage you know phenologically Mm
0: -hmm. and and so every every technology has its downside certainly you could save sprays and, and maybe increase accuracy but what what are the i'm sure you talk about this with ohio growers all the time what are the what are the potential um uh, weaknesses may be the wrong word, but just uh, risks associated with using a warning system.
1: Yeah, so they there there are definitely um, risks or or challenges um, for them. I'll, I'll say that to start that I think there are more pros uh, of using it than there are cons. Um, so some of the pros. For using a warning system, or specifically Nua, is that you know the platform does all the work for you. You know, if you were going to do this by yourself, you would have to keep track of the weather data. So you could still have your weather s- station, you know, and you would go out and look at the weather, what what the amount of rain, you know, the temperature, and you know. I don't want to say back in the day, but <laughs> it used to be that, you know, you would write this down on a piece of paper. And if you were keeping track of, you know, the amount of rain accumulated or then the temperature accumulation, you'd have to you know do all those calculations on your own. And then you would have to, you know, you know, determine using, you know, the model whether or not, OK, should I make a spray or should I not make a spray? But with NUA, it does all this for you, um, which is really nice. It collects the weather data. It enters it into the model. It interprets the weather data based on the pathogen in the crop stage. And then it gives you an output. And in that output, it tells you the risk level. And it actually even color codes it for the apple ones. So you'll have a green, yellow, orange, and red. And, you know, that's really useful because, you know, interpreting some of these data and, and the output of the num- numerical output of the models can be challenging, but this does it for you. And then what I love about it is it tells you what that risk is, and then it tells you what the recommendation is. So you don't even really have to make make any um, decisions without having the support of, of the models. So for instance, if it's a high level risk, it'll say, okay, you should apply, you know, a bactericide or a fungicide within the next X days. So it's predicting a little bit ahead about what's gonna happen and also using the current weather data. So I think that, you know, that's that's one of the best things about it. Um, the, other, the other pros is that there's a ton of uh, resources available. So if you're doing a fire blight model, you can, you know, put in your data, you'll get the output. And then say you, you don't know what to spray, you, it'll give you a resource there about what to spray, it'll give you a fact sheet on the disease. Um, so it's, it's really nice that way.
0: Oh, well, yeah. So it's kind of like an electronic extension advisor. Um, yes. And, and uh, I think, you know, you were very eloquent about uh, the the plot, the savings in terms of well, convenience, right. But that also translates to time and labor. Somebody's busy and running around in the middle of a growing season. um, You know, it may not be that attractive to want to go and download your weather station and and manually run through the numbers and this kind of thing. But but uh, you you have, okay, it takes a lot of the what a lot of the busy work out of it, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And actually in the 90s, you know, work was done to look at what the what the obstacles are to implementing warning systems. And one thing that showed up in, in that research was that, you know, how easy it is to use and how and how um quickly you can use it. And so NUA basically took that obstacle away, you know, at my growers love it, many of them, because it's you can download it on your cell, on your cell phone, on your smartphone, so you can do it right out when you're in the field. If you're in the pesticide shed and you're trying to decide, do I need to make a spray? You know, you can quickly pop up the app and you know look at what the risk level is and whether or not you need to spray or not. Um, which is kind of nice if you have an employee who's sick and that employee would normally be doing it on that day because it's a calendar you can. Say, all right, you know what? We're okay for another couple days. So um, that's good. The other thing is that they're current, they're always updating it with new research. So they're improving the models as new research comes along. They're adding new warning systems to it. So it's it's, you know, up to date and current. And then the other thing I think is really great is that it stores all of your weather data so you can have a historical record. Of your weather data, which then can help you, you know, make plans for the following years, or you can look at trends in weather, and you know, why did I have you know so much disease even when I was spraying last year? And you can go back and look at the weather data and say, okay, I need to, you know, switch up my disease management program for the next year, which is really how you know IPM is supposed to work. You're supposed to reassess at the end of each year. Your program and and you know make changes as needed. So that's another great, great pro.
0: Just, just to follow up, um, Melania, if I'm an Ohio grower and I have not participated in Niwa yet, and I know and I realize that, oh, oh, Ohio State has a site license. What would I need to get started? Um, what what would be my starting point? Would I need to go out and buy a weather station or what what would I need to get started?
1: Yeah. Ideally, you want to buy your own weather station and have it um, as close to the fields that you're interested in, you know, ma- managing as possible. Um, a grower has the option when they when they join NUA uh, to make their weather data public or not. And most of them do make it public. You know, there's the odd one who says, no, I'm gonna keep that information to myself so if you're in close proximity to a weather station you can you know use those data from that weather station We also have a weather station at every research station um, in Ohio every OSU research station in Ohio um, that they can access and then we have we have the data from airports, Going going to Nula. Um, ideally, you want the the weather station to be as close as possible, though, to your to your um, orchard of, of interest. And we still need to do research on how far away you know you can collect weather data and it still provide a reasonable prediction for you um, or a reasonable warning of when you need to spray. We did a little bit of work with grapes, you know, um, to try and triangulate, you know how far away from a field you could be. And you know, really, we see significant differences, you know within a half a mile. You know it could be pouring rain on one side of Worcester and, you know, sunny on the other. So ideally, you want to be within a mile, but the closer, the better. So there are two two other stations that they can purchase. That are linked to NUA. There's RAINWISE and, and HOBO. Not two weather stations, two um, manufacturers basically.
0: That, that first one with RAINWISE you said? RAINWISE
1: uh, and then HOBO. Okay. Um, and, and the weather stations range anywhere from, you know, 1500 to, you know, as expensive as you want, you know, 3000 or more if you want to have all the different types of gadgets put on it. But the the basic model that will work for you is around fifteen to eighteen hundred dollars, um, depending on who you buy it from. They've also um, started having them cellular based, which is really great for regions that don't have good internet um, connections. So, for instance, our chestnut grower is you know just borderline in the Appalachians where you know internet is poor. So that one weather station is cellular based.
0: Interesting. Um, you you know the the um this is all good news I think for availability of these decision support you know tools for growers but why why don't we have why don't we have more of those tools I mean there's some diseases we just don't have why why is that I mean we we have the disease but we don't have the tool
1: yeah that's that's a great question what we do have for apples is fire blight. Apple scab and sooty blotch and fly speck models, um, but it actually takes a lot of a lot of research to develop a warning system. Uh, it for specific diseases, every disease or every pathogen, you know, behaves differently depending on the weather conditions. You know, like powdery mildew likes it dry and humid. You know, downy mildew likes it moist. Uh, and warm. And so it takes a lot of legwork to, to look at the disease cycle, identify what conditions, what weather conditions will provide um, the most opportunity for the pathogen to develop and cause disease. And some diseases just aren't that predictable, <laughs> um, you know, we're relying on knowing a lot about the pathogen and how the pathogen behaves within a crop as well as within environment, and it, it can be challenging. Um, we tend to to um, have models for those that you know have a clear primary um, infection cycle um, where we can predict when and what conditions, but the ones that are kind of ubiquitous or or just don't really have um, uh, a narrow range for for when infection can occur are much more difficult to develop warning systems for.
0: Yeah, totally makes sense. Well, just as a final question, Melanie, what, what would you uh, suggest or advise to, let's say, apple growers in other states in the Midwest that um, aren't using, uh, NIWA now, um, uh, and maybe the growers I'm talking about don't have experience with Niwa. Um, do you think, um, uh, it would be, um, risky for them to get started or could they just, uh, contact Niwa and, uh, get, get moving on this?
1: I, I don't think there's any risk, uh, involved. I think it really is, a a great tool. It's not a silver bullet, you know, but it's a tool in their toolbox. And all of the feedback that I've gotten from Ohio apple growers is that, you know, it's really helped them um, with their decision-making. They, especially for fire blight, you know, like that there's some predictability to when to spray. And uh, for apple scab, some of them, like to go online and and look at the the graphs that they they provide about when ascospores are going to be released and you know they can really better understand all this information that, we, that we've given them over the years you know they can see it in graph form so i would encourage them to do it i think the the two issues that come to mind are cost you know whether or not A grower wants to invest in in a weather station um, and then whether or not they either want to pay the membership fee or if if their state isn't already um, have an open membership. So what I recommend is right now, if if you go to the to the website, there are liaisons in the participating states, so, for instance, I am the liaison for Ohio. So, they can go on and then they can contact me. And what I do is I help them make decisions on what weather station will work best for them. Uh, I give them details about how they onboard their weather station because there is a little bit of work there. Once you get your weather station, you know, you have to onboard it, and you would do that through your liaison person. And then um, if there are issues, you know they'll contact me to start, but Nua has a really great um, help center, I guess. You know, and they will work with you basically twenty four seven. They're available. Um, the system isn't great if you have poor internet and you don't want to invest in cellular. So there are some setbacks or downfalls of using it. Every once in a while, your system may go off. Offline because it's web-based, right? So if you're, if the platform goes offline, which I've never experienced, there'll be issues. But what we do find is that sometimes your weather station will stop communicating with, with NUA. And if you were to go on to NUA and say, run the FireBlade model, it will give you an output. What it will do is it'll just leave the dates where there's no weather data available blank, And so your output may not be accurate. If there's a lot of dates missing, it will give you an error. So I always recommend that growers, you know, when they first go to, to look at NUA and work with it, that they actually can access all their weather data by just clicking a button. And so they can make sure that their system is feeding the data. If it's not feeding the data, it'll be blank. So just take you know 30 seconds and make sure that your, your weather station is, is reporting the data. Um, if it's not reporting the data, they can still go back once it's back online and collect it. So it's not that it's not collecting and it, it's that it's not communicating. Um, oh. <laughs> so that's what I would recommend. They can all. You also can contact your your fruit pathologist specialist or your horticulture um, specialist. You can contact an extension educator, and they will, you know, direct you uh, to where you need to go, you know, to get started with it.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, well, thanks. I, I think that pretty inspirational, um, you know, set of information for growers. And, you know, you were very frank about the, you know, the the learning curve and uh, the, uh, but uh, also, I think you gave some good direction about how to um, get started and, um, you know, uh, troubleshoot a bit. And uh, it doesn't, it doesn't, you don't have to be a meteorologist to do this, uh, because you got all the support, right? You got support from the whether, uh, you know, monitor companies, and you got support from Niwa, and, and that, uh, it helps a lot. So there are real people behind these things. It's not just, um, you're not out there alone trying to figure this stuff out.
1: Yeah, you don't have to be a plant pathologist either. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's, uh, that's I think, a relief for many people. You
1: no, know, if, you, if you can, if you can, if you're not colorblind, I guess you can read it, but it okay. also tells you the risk level, you know, yeah. so you don't have to rely on the colors, but, okay. um, yeah, I, it's been, you know, I've been really surprised, pleasantly surprised how well it's been adopted here in Ohio. And, uh, you know, it it's great to see the research that we do as plant pathologists, but also the weather meteorologists, you know, having some type of impact and for the grower, as well as for the environment and for public health. It, it's really, I think it's a great tool. I've, i've spent five years promoting it and feel good about the about the whole system
0: why don't you provide the uh, uh link for the uh newa website uh, to us now melanie
1: okay so it's newa n e w a dot cornell c o r n e l l dot e d u e as an education d as in david u as an umbrella and you can also just Google Nua Cornell, and it'll come up as well.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a success story, isn't it? Um, uh, I mean, it there's more, more success to be had, but at, uh, at this stage, very successful. So congratulations with that in Ohio.
1: Yeah, <laughs> thanks.
0: <laughs> All right, we've been talking to uh, Dr. Melanie Lewis-Ivey, Associate Professor of Plant Pathology at Ohio State University in Worcester, Ohio. Thanks, Melanie.
1: Thank you, Mark.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of the Smarter Apple Spraying podcast series. You can find more episodes in the series at our website. The link is www.smartapplespray.plantpath.iastate.edu. That's www.smartapplespray.plantpath.iastate.edu. The host for this series is Mark Gleason. Jose Gonzalez is the editor. The Smarter Apple Spraying podcast series is funded by a grant from USDA's Crop Protection and Pest Management Initiative. For more information about the two-state project, contact either Mark Gleason at mgleason at iastate.edu or Melanie Lewis Ivy, ivy.14 at osu.edu in Ohio. Thank you.